Hello and welcome. My name is Tanai and I help women become confident with themselves and their sexuality and shed the pressure to be the good girl. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, only to find out that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia, so drop all of your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Commitment Phobe. And today I'm going to be doing a solo episode about how to handle triggers in relationships, how to take ownership of your experience and not feel like a victim of the relationship, but instead see how you're responsible for your experience and however you're feeling in the relationship and being able to take ownership for your experience and never feel like other people are doing things to you or other people are responsible for the way that you feel, but instead seeing how what's showing up in a relationship is just an opportunity for you to look within and ultimately to love yourself. So I'm going to be talking a lot about shadow work and projecting and fear of intimacy and how to use these tools to look at your relationships in an entirely different way. So in my experience, when I was realizing that I had this fear of intimacy because um, this pattern will keep showing up of really liking a guy and then not liking him at all, I was also noticing that the same reasons why I didn't like them were showing up in every relationship. It was like I had the same exact complaint. And interestingly enough, one of my complaints is that all these guys that I was dating were showing up as one thing in the beginning. And then the more that I got to know them, they were showing something else. And so the biggest complaint was I'm dating all these guys that on the outside seem really put together and really happy and they seem like they seem like they're really optimistic and enthusiastic and upbeat but then the more that I got to know them it was like they were just showing me a side of them that was completely different from what I was seeing on the surface they did not have their shit together they were not as positive as they appeared and honestly, a lot of the times I found that these guys were even depressed. And I didn't get it. You know, I kept trying to think, okay, am I just going for the wrong guy? Do I just need to go for someone more positive? How do I make sure that I don't keep dating the same exact person every time? And yet, I would try to go for someone completely off type and the same thing would happen. On the outside, it seemed to me like they were one person and then the more that I got to date them, I saw completely different sides of them. And it would trigger me so much. It would irritate me. It was like night and day. I was really attracted to someone. You know, I was feeling very inspired by their optimism and really connected. And then the more that they showed me 
their insecurities or their judgments or their sadness, I would get really triggered and I wouldn't be interested in the person anymore. And it's something that really bothered me about them. And what really made a difference for me was starting to understand what shadow work and projecting was all about. And the understanding that when someone triggers you, they're showing you a part of you that either you have zero approval for or that you really judge for in yourself or that you really want to be this thing that they're showing you and you don't allow yourself to be that. And these are all your shadows. It comes from Carl Jung. He's um, the genius behind this concept. And the way that he would explain it is that your shadows, all the parts of your personality that you've repressed. Because when you were little, you were everything. You know, you were loud, you were quiet, you were selfish, you were messy, you were um, all over the place, you were super loving, you were, you know, you were just the full expression of yourself. And your parents came along and told you what was right and what was wrong. And so if they told you that you should be polite and that you should be put together, then you did everything possible to hide your mess. And if they told you that you should be generous or that you shouldn't be selfish, then it became part of your identity to be someone that was really selfless and to be someone that gave up your time or didn't take up too much space. So whatever's in your shadow is what you then end up projecting onto other people and that triggers you. So to use an example, let's say you repressed being selfish and taking up time. And then you meet someone who's at a party and speaking super loudly for hours, just taking up everybody's attention and will not shut up. And there you are being very quiet and polite and you're not saying anything. But under your breath or in your head, this person is triggering you so much. And you're just like, how is this person doing this? Like, don't they realize that they're taking everybody's time selfishly? Inherently, they're not doing anything wrong. Even though you might think it's wrong to do this. It's wrong to not let other people talk. There is actually just that part of you that would never allow yourself to do that that gets triggered. And so that's the same part that wouldn't set boundaries with someone when they're talking too much. So if you're in this conversation where someone just keeps talking, just keeps talking, you find yourself getting upset because that person won't stop talking, yet no part of you tries to set boundaries. You won't stop them from speaking or leave the conversation or ask them to talk about something else because you would not give yourself the permission to take up that space and be as inconsiderate as you see them being. So that's how shadow work works. Everywhere around us in all of these triggers, there's just information that's showing us within ourselves what part of us have we disowned or what part of us do we reject or judge? 
What part of us do we hide from other people? What part of us would we never want other people to find out about us? And the biggest thing there really is, what are we sacrificing in order to not be that? So with the example of not taking up too much space or being inconsiderate, the question is, when you don't interrupt someone who's talking to you that you don't really want to listen to or when someone's sitting up all the time and you don't ask for time yourself, what are you sacrificing? You know, in order to be this considerate person, in order to seem nice and to seem considerate and like you think about other people, what do you then sacrifice? So to think of it for yourself, Think of all the qualities that you grew up thinking were wrong, whether that's, you know, it's wrong to show your anger or it's wrong to be selfish or it's wrong to just think about yourself. And then maybe there are certain scenarios in your head where you can think of what you've sacrificed in order to keep those identities alive, in order to show that you're very considerate or that you're selfless. And can you see how? When other people are being this way, it really triggers you. When we see things that way, when we see how when we get triggered by other people, they're just showing us a part of us that we don't have approval for or a part of us that we judge, then that's when we start being responsible for our experience. That's when we stop seeing how people are doing things to us or how people are doing things wrong. And instead, we understand that we're responsible for our feelings. And um, and something that Carl Jung would say is that as long as this shadow remains unconscious, then you will continue to project it onto people. It'll keep showing up, which explains why I kept dating the same man. You know, that's why I kept dating the same situation, which is, someone appearing to be super happy and put together on the outside. And then the more that I got to know them, they were hiding all this emotional turmoil and insecurity and negativity and judgment. And that was a straight up mirror for me. I was getting triggered by the fact that men were not really showing me who they are when there were so many ways that I was doing the same exact thing. There were so many ways that I was not really showing how I felt to men, that I was putting up this image of being this happy-go-lucky girl when I, when I really had a lot of judgments and insecurities and negative thoughts and zero approval for them. I didn't have approval for my judgments. I didn't have approval for my insecurities. I didn't have approval for my negativity or my sadness and my anger. So what would happen is that the moment that I would see that in someone else, I would get super triggered and find it really unattractive because those are the things that I didn't like about myself. So our relationships get to be a tool for self-love because whenever we find something in someone else that we don't like, we just got to ask ourselves, where are we not having approval for that within ourselves? Or where are we judging ourselves for that? 
Or maybe where do we want to be more like that, but we don't really give ourselves the permission to. Everything is a product of our own experience. It could all just be taken back to inner work. It could all just be taken back to looking within. Whatever is happening in the relationship is just an opportunity to look within and see, hey, what's happening in here? And what I've experienced in my life is that as long as I keep doing that and looking within and seeing, oh, wow, this is so great. I got to love this part of me. Then not only do I stop getting triggered, but I also just stop even seeing that around me because that's sort of how, you know, the whole concept of shadow work works. It's the idea that everyone around us is a mirror. So we're just going to be seeing in this mirror whatever we have inside. And if we can just clear out all of these shadows that live in the unconscious, then we're going to stop seeing them because it's not going to reflect something that's not there anymore. And then you get to attract different kinds of relationships. And it's like, it might not even be about the person. You could be dating the same exact person and create an entirely different relationship because the more approval that you have for yourself, the more approval that you're going to have for someone else. I've been in situations now where I'll hear a man's judgment or I'll see how he's, um, he's slowly showing me his insecurities and what used to make me feel really unsafe and triggered and make me want to push away. Now it doesn't really phase me. Now I have room and space for it and acceptance for it because I see those parts within myself and I've come to peace with them. And for me, it's brought a whole deeper meaning to the saying that you can't really love others until you love yourself. And I really get it now because in an intimate relationship, they're going to bring up all your wounds, all of your traumas, and all of the parts of yourself that you don't want to look at. And in order to truly love that in another It takes loving that in yourself. It's one of the same. There's a passage in Osho's book called Intimacy that I wanted to read for you all that speaks on this and speaks on the fear of intimacy and what it really means to be intimate with another. So here it is. Everybody's afraid of intimacy. It is another thing, whether you're aware of it or not, Intimacy means exposing yourself before a stranger, and we're all strangers. Nobody knows anybody. We're even strangers to ourselves because we don't know who we are. Intimacy brings you close to a stranger. You have to drop all your defenses. Only then is intimacy possible. And the fear is that if you drop all your defenses, all your masks, who knows what the stranger will do with you? We are all hiding a thousand and one things not only from others, but from ourselves, because we've been brought up by a sick humanity with all kinds of repressions, inhibitions, taboos, and the fear is that with somebody who's a stranger, and it does not matter, you may have lived with this person for 30 years, 40 years, the strangeness never disappears. It feels safer to keep a little defense, a little distance, because somebody can take advantage of your weaknesses, your frailties, of your vulnerability. Everybody is afraid of intimacy. 
the problem becomes more complicated because everybody wants intimacy. Everybody wants intimacy because otherwise you're alone in the universe without a friend, without a lover, without anybody you can trust, without anybody to whom you can open all your wounds. And the wounds cannot heal unless they're open. The more you hide them, the more dangerous they become. They can become cancerous. Intimacy is an essential need on the one hand, so everybody longs for it. You want the other person to be intimate so that the other person drops his defenses, becomes vulnerable, opens all of his wounds, drops all of his masks and false personality, stands naked as he is. And on the other hand, everybody's afraid of intimacy. You want to be intimate with the other person, but you are not dropping your defenses. This is one of the conflicts between friends, between lovers. Nobody wants to drop his defenses and nobody wants to come in utter nudity and sincerity. Open. Yet both need intimacy. Unless you drop all of your repressions and inhibitions, which are the gifts of your religions, your cultures, your societies, your parents, your education, you will never be able to be intimate with someone and you will have to take the initiative. And then there's another part where he says that only a man of meditation can allow intimacy to happen. He has nothing to hide. All that was making him afraid that somebody may know, he himself has dropped. He has only a silence and a loving heart. You have to accept yourself in your totality. If you cannot accept yourself in your totality, how can you expect somebody else to accept you? And you have been condemned by everybody and you have learned only one thing, self-condemnation. You go on hiding it. It is not something beautiful to show to others. You know, ugly things are hidden in you. You know, evil things are hidden in you. You know, animality is hidden in you. Unless you transform your attitude and accept yourself as one of the animals in existence. It's so wild to me to read something that says we're all afraid of intimacy. Because that's something that I discovered on my own journey. When I was learning about what it meant to be afraid of intimacy and vulnerability and what did it have to do with commitment? Did it have to do with commitment? I reached this point where I thought, yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just experiencing something we all experience. I just had it at a more dramatic level. You know, my my body literally would go into a panic attack at the thought of intimacy because there were parts of me that I really didn't want someone to see. That's as simple and basic as I can put it. And we all have that. We all have parts of ourselves that we don't want other people to see. And we all have parts of us that we pretend aren't there. And we all have personas that we put on, like masks that we put on for each other. And if we follow Osho's definition of intimacy and fear of intimacy, then it's just as simple as saying that fear of intimacy is a fear of being seen. And our triggers, all of our shadows, are just these little gifts that show us what part of us we're afraid of showing and what parts of us we're welcome to start loving and start welcoming and start reintegrating into who we are. Because then the game isn't trying to find someone who's the one, trying to see who has the qualities that you're looking for and that you're compatible with and that you can make it work with. And instead, 
you're creating that dream relationship with each person that you date. Because every time that you're dating someone or talking to someone or even a friend, like every single person that you're relating to is an opportunity to create that dream relationship with yourself and with other people. It's all going to come from the same place. You know, your relationship with yourself sets the standard for all the other relationships. So if somebody's triggering you, then they're just a perfect teacher and mirror to show you what parts of yourself you're not allowing to be expressed or what parts of yourself you're not approving of. And if there's a way that you want to show up in that dream relationship where you feel comfortable to express yourself, where you feel seen, then you have an opportunity with every person in front of you to express yourself and to have yourself be seen by sharing your feelings, by asking for what you want, by showing parts of you that you're normally afraid to show. Something that I really loved about Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love, the book that she wrote that is like one of my Bibles, is that she talks about how often we wait for the one to do certain things. Like, oh, I'll just wait for the one to bring shit up, right? Like, I'm not going to have this hard conversation with this person because it's not worth it because I don't really see this going anywhere. And it's funny because it could just be turned around completely into the context of, I don't see this going anywhere really. So why not use this opportunity where I have nothing to lose to lean in and express those desires that I'm afraid of expressing and calling out those triggers that I'm feeling right now? Because otherwise, we will keep reliving the same exact thing. Life will keep showing us the same trigger until it's dealt with. It'll keep showing us the same lesson until it's learned. doesn't matter whether they're the one or whether they're a one-night stand. Whatever you have inside you that's repressed and in your shadow, you will keep projecting onto the person in front of you. So it all comes back to love for yourself, love for all, and you get to create that with every relationship. It's not about, like, I, I don't think it's about finding the one, but instead creating that relationship you want to have with the one with yourself and everybody around you and every moment. And it's all an opportunity to do that. Once I really got that, it was such a game changer for me. I was no longer living in this pressure of finding somebody and Um, breaking the pattern of the kind of guys that I was dating and stressing out about what's wrong with me. (laughs) Why do I keep getting so triggered and pushing men away? And why can't I break the pattern and, and meet the right kind of guy? I should just like date off type and, and maybe I should get set up and maybe I should, I don't know, (laughs) you know where I'm going with this. Instead, I see everything that comes up as an opportunity for me to love myself. And from that relationship with myself, from this place of me loving myself, 
I have no doubt that I'm going to continue to attract relationships that serve me and continue expanding my love, my acceptance for myself and other people so that I'm not getting triggered. Or if I am, I'm having more grace for myself and I'm not running away at the sight of a trigger, knowing that these dangerous things that I'm seeing in someone that don't seem safe only don't feel safe because I associate them with things that are very wrong because there's something that I'm not accepting in myself. So I welcome you to take on all these new perspectives, seeing relationships as your teachers and how every relationship is really an opportunity for you to transform your self-love and create the relationship of your dreams always. And also just to stop seeing other people as doing wrong to you and to stop seeing other people as just wrong in general. There is no right and wrong. And I know a lot, I've gotten into a lot of arguments about that, but next time someone triggers you, just ask yourself, what's that showing you within yourself that has nothing to do with them? See where it takes you and see what you've been sacrificing And um, what would it provide for you to stop sacrificing that? You know, maybe maybe you've really valued being liked. So you never say no. And so then you get triggered by someone who does say no. Because what you so desperately want is to be able to have the confidence to say that and to set your boundaries and say what you really think. Your triggers are your teachers. And this is how you can start taking ownership in your relationships and ownership of your experience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week. 